it was it was worth it actually getting the crane because as soon as I showed PO, the POD video to the guy that directed it, he was like, "Yeah, they've got a crane. We need a crane. Like you have to get one." I was like, "Okay, yeah, all right, whatever. Let's go." Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. This is another episode of the Scoped Exposure Podcast. We go all the way from Calgary to to Europe and just go full time zone difference here. Uh, really excited to be welcoming on Wilkie Robinson of Malevence. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. You're very professional. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, you know, it's uh, I think this has been an ep that we have been planning and talking about for a long, long time. And I yeah, think yeah. just lining up, you know, obviously any European guest that comes on the show, it's like kind of jumbled to like we're recording at 10 a.m. and you're like, you know, just kind of closing out your day. Um, but, yeah. you know, obviously with the new Malevolence record that just came out, uh, Malicious Intent, I was like, OK, we, ha we have to make this happen. So I'm really excited to be sitting down with you, Wilkie, and uh, excited to chat. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I actually listened to this podcast quite a bit in the pandemic because I think a bunch of my friends came on here or people I knew. Um, Not Loose came on here, right? And like a few of those guys and then Comeback. You had like the whole of Comeback Kid at one point. Yeah, I, I I'm not, two not members together, away from but... having all of Comeback Kid on this podcast. Oh, okay. yeah. cool. <laughs> and like as as someone that um that grew up in Winnipeg where that band is originally from, it's like those are just talking to hometown heroes of mine. And now I'm just like yeah. friends with half the band. So um I, I I would anticipate that they are the first band that I have every single member, but there are a couple other bands where I have like you know, two or three episodes from one band. So I could definitely tell that you were a fan of Comeback Kid. From the <laughs> I'm like, was it, was it too yeah. obvious? I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, well, Wilkie, um, before we get into the music chats of this episode, it's a tradition and a must to do a Bev check. So I'm kind of curious of what you're going to be drinking because it's at different times of the day for us. So tell me what you're going to be drinking for the episode. Okay. Honestly, I'm just drinking black coffee now from a cafetiere. Uh, I know it's not super exciting, and I'm aware that this is uh, a part of the show that you ch you check the bears, but I'm in our studio right now, and we've been away for about two weeks. So, like, I would normally have some milk in there, but uh, all of the milk and milk alternatives we have in the fridge are all uh, smell really bad. So, I'll just oh no, <laughs> even the <laughs> milk alternatives have gone bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh do you want to showcase the mug it i, I was trying to get age what what that you know was what, actually, this mug says manchester christmas market 2017 <laughs> they're back <laughs> yeah so I, I think these are all the, like the leftover mugs from our houses that no one wanted we just came and dropped off in the in the kitchen here I so feel, i feel that it's um i don't know what it is about just like randomly using like christmas like tea towels or like like little napkins that you got around the holidays and you're like, I just need to use this. Or I have like, I've gone down to the very last pair of socks in my drawer and it's like my Christmas socks. I'm like, this feels weird wearing it in June, but we're just going to roll with it. Um, yeah. But I like that you just have the Christmas mug 
from 2017 <laughs> of all places um at all times yeah yeah, yeah um, what's that why not why not exactly um so i'm gonna be drinking um a liquid death um it's you know just the start of the day i need to just pound through some hydration so um i'm sure that this probably hasn't hit anywhere where you're at yet no i haven't seen it physically here but i've seen it online because it's super meta looking branding of uh sparkling water right yeah so there's regular sparkling water and then there's like the white can's just the still water so this is just drinking like a glass of water but in the coolest way possible in my opinion Okay, yeah, I, I think I listened to the guy that runs it on talk on a podcast a few yeah. years ago, and it was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. So we had sticks on, and you know, ever since then, it's like everyone thinks that I'm like sponsored by them, but like when it's official, like the I'm gonna be screaming it from the mountaintops. Uh, but at the, yeah, in the yeah. meantime, it's like you know they'll send me a pallet here and there, and they'll hook it up. So you know, I, oh, it's for me every any beverage sponsor that i would want for the show that's the hero one and i'm willing to go through the chase of like trying to work there so you know it's just one can at a time one can at yeah. a time towards the sponsorship i like sparkling water i'm a, I'm a big fan but i've only just got into it really because mm-hmm. uh, I, I know it's, it's quite controversial for a, a water really a lot of people like really 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 don't like it i i do think that a lot of people you know, myself included, you know, this is the Bev talk that like, I always will uh, like just extend as long as possible for an episode. But like, I feel that like growing up, I didn't drink any pops or anything because of the fizziness. I hated how it tasted in my mouth. And then like, it it just took sparkling water to be like, oh, I get it now. And I still don't really like pop just more on like, not the fizziness, but more on like, it's just like uh, sugar and syrup and just yeah like i can get my fix for for that somewhere else but um dude i i'm big on the on the sparkling water and i think some people just need some guiding off of like what to try out first and you know like i always say with the liquid death like the their sparkling version is not as carbonated so it's like easier to drink uh at once versus like you know you have one sip of a bubbly and you feel like your mouth's on fire yeah 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 i don't actually drink any soft drink drinks at all uh they're just too sweet for me and in the usa it's particularly crazy like um there's i think the there's different regulations there as there is here right so like the I think like the mountain dew that you guys have would be like illegal here because of the <laughs> sugar and right syrup yeah and sugar. yeah it, it's pretty funny going down there sometimes and you order a small and it's like truck stop size at times you're like what yeah. the, do you have like an extra extra small because i just need like this little amount um does does europe have like any crazy sparkling water exclusive stuff that i wouldn't I, be aware of honestly i don't think so there's like uh, san pellegrino you know mm-hmm. that one that's yep. like the main brand. that's like the one you'd have in a restaurant um gotcha other than that, no, I I think we're quite regular with the sparkling water. I know Germany, they absolutely love it. Like it's more popular than regular like still water there, which is mm. quite interesting. So yeah, I'll yeah. have to uh, do some some research on German sparkling water and see if there's any brands that I haven't tried yet. Um, yeah. But uh, Wilkie, cheers to you, my guy. Really excited to do this cheers. podcast. Yeah, yeah, let's go. <laughs> So, Wilkie, any new guest that comes on the show, I like to get a little bit of history 
about the person, how they got put on the path of heavy music. Uh, obviously, that's going to help us transition to malevolence. But tell me about like the first times you were hearing like breakdowns, screaming, however you want to spit it. Uh, okay, so um, I th- I was already playing in a in a metal band when I heard breakdown. Sorry, when I heard breakdowns, and I remember seeing like hardcore dancing for the first time. And be- at the time, I was I was like thirteen or something, and I had like I was like a real metal dude, and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. They have fringes, they have fringes, they have tight jeans. Like this is in like the deathcore, you know, metalcore era, mid mid two thousands. But uh, honestly, I don't I don't want to sound like I'm uh, like flexing, but like myself and the rest of my band members, we were into heavy music like really, really, really young. Like in a way that's a little bit weird, I think. Uh, I, had, uh, I know this is probably a really generic story, but we uh, our guitarists uh, at the time. Uh, by the way, I, we were playing in Malevolence from being like eleven years old. Right. So our guitarist at the time, he had uh, an older brother who was really, really into metal. And he was showing us like technical death metal, um, like really, really extreme stuff at like 12 and 13, which, yeah, I look back on it now. And I do think it's really weird for a kid that age to be to, to be into that into that kind of music. Uh, so screaming vocals like harsh vocals was probably Slipknot, I would have thought. Um there was a library where I lived uh, and you could you could rent CDs for like 50 pence um, and we would we would take them and then put them in like the, the, your mom's computer and take all the tracks and then, you know, you could burn them onto another disc. So I remember, oh, I think I, think so, I heard... Oh, so yeah, you were renting and yeah. then you were just... <laughs> yeah, we were renting, yeah, and we were pirating yeah. them. So this is, yeah, I will have been maybe 12 or 11 in fact no screaming vocals younger because i i had a linkin park hoodie when i was like 10 years old or something mm, okay so yeah it was it was all that kind of stuff i couldn't tell you screaming vocals i could tell hardcore dancing was definitely some bands that were like in my school that were a little bit older than me um and we played a show with them and i saw people like two-stepping and windmilling and i, I thought it was so lame actually at the time uh, <laughs> uh yeah what what were the what were the others just, just uh, screaming vocals. Yeah, dancing. well, well, anything as far as you know what is considered heavy music. But I think that, like, I think there, there's a lot to unpack for sure. I think the one thing that's really, really interesting is like having any any time you're like that young and you're like so like the world is your oyster, and then it's like you hear "Job for a Cowboy" or "Fucking mm-hmm. Amir" or "Slipknot" for the first time, you're like. Yeah people can make this music and you know you might only be starting with with like lincoln park which in my opinion is like you know super foundational for me i think one of the best bands of all time but that band like on a guitar side is like like total opposite than like any of those bands that i listed before so all it takes is like almost having a super like going like head first into the deep end versus like oh let's go to the shallow end with like the alternative new metal stuff or, yeah. or metal stuff and then work our way down it's like sometimes you just need someone to just like plummet you and then yeah. either you're gonna like desperately try to swim to the top and like i'm never going there again or you're like yeah. okay i want i want to stay here forever yeah absolutely i think my my first introduction to like rock was nickelback um oh okay <laughs> Yeah. that's uh yeah, that's yeah. where i'm from so that's uh yeah. that's a local oh, band okay. as far as yeah. calgary is concerned Canadian, right yeah um 
and I was I was quite aware from hearing Nickelback and like seeing like the long hair and, and stuff like that. I was right. like, yeah, that's like that's who I am. That's what I want to be. And I think like you have to be at that age to to have that like identity drive. You just like want to be part of something and part of a scene. And then um, yeah, I was like I was really really obsessed from very young. But absolutely, there's there's certainly stepping stones that you need to take before you dive straight into job for a cowboy because you show that. Uh, <laughs> You show that to a person that hasn't heard like Linkin Park and Slipknot and then, I don't know, maybe take, taking a step further and look to Hatebreed or something. Um, yeah, they're going to be like, what the fuck is this? So, mm. yeah, I'm I, I'm grateful for the journey, the journey I had, really. And then now I think there was a long time where these bands like Slipknot and Linkin Park, they were like, you know, people that have like, quote unquote, good taste right in heavy music would never dare say that like Linkin Park was was cool. And now it, like people just don't give a shit. It's like, right. yeah, everyone fucking loves Linkin Park. Everyone loves Limp Bizkit. Everyone loves Slipknot. Like that was the gateway band for anyone like roughly our age and older and younger, I would say. So, mm. well, that that's a pretty interesting thing. And this is going to be stuff that I think comes up a little later in the interview. But I think Malevolence has been one of those bands where maybe at the beginning, there was like a lot of people where it was polarizing. There was people that either like loved the shit out of you guys or people that were like, what the fuck is with all this singing and, you know, Pantera S stuff. But I think bands who like stay in their lane and they do their shit and they do their shit well, there's like an overnight thing where like there are those naysayers and then it's like everyone likes that band now. You know, it's like, you know, it happened with American Nightmare. It happened with Turnstile. There's like so many of those like, switches of like oh yeah everyone loves this and then some of the people in those bands are like i remember you five years ago talking shit on us you know like either in in person or whatever so that's something that we can get later but i think that's a good comparison to like you were saying some of those bands where it's like tastemakers and then they're like oh shit i have to get on board with this because literally everyone fucks with this band now yeah yeah absolutely so uh, uh, so that I feel like an interesting piece that I didn't know is like Malevin started like when you guys like were literal like like infants and babies. So yeah, like yeah. Uh, so like obviously I feel like you know there's lots of people who, who are starting their bands and like their preteens or their teenage years or their couple of years in high school. Depending, you know, some people are a little late to the game. Um, but like, tell me about like obviously you're not starting this band. At, at 11 or 12 years old being like we're gonna be taking over europe like like t- <laughs> tell me about like the original beginnings of the of the band and then like how things started to be like oh this is something that we can actually do i'm sure that came a lot later yeah so we i charlie who is our drummer who's still in the band now uh we were in primary school together which I guess all your audience is American. So that is zero to, oh no, not zero. That's five years old to 10 years old. <laughs> straight out uh, the womb into school. <laughs> straight out the womb, yeah. Sorry, that's, that's five years old to 10 years old. Uh, so you leave like 10 or 11 and the later years of being in primary school, we were both, as I mentioned, getting the CDs from the library and we were into like Slipknot and Linkin Park, so on. Right. Uh, and we, uh, I guess, like we got, cold of guitars in the school uh, and we actually did our first show in like the assembly you know like the last day of school primary school when you're 10 and they're like right. yeah we're all gonna like sit to one another we were like yeah we've got a band let us play and we played two songs one was um seven nation army by the white stripes do you know that song yeah 
No, oh uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's just like, like the last like, song like, I would like, expect yeah. malevolence as I know it to cover. But yeah. again, this yeah. is I like mean, we, we were, such an like, infant version of the band. We were, we were like ten years old, so uh, we played that, and we played obviously "Smells Like Teen Spirit" by Nirvana, which are like Classic. these are like the first. Yeah, you know, if you pick up a guitar, wait, wait, and you're like, I want to. We were playing "Smells Like Teen Spirit" in like a gymnasium assembly kind of place. Yeah, we were playing like the school hall. Yeah. Okay. And, like so that's no, I mean, very on all, brand yeah. for that music video of that song as well. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I guess <laughs> I can't really remember. I can't really remember the show, but I remember it, like everyone was like sat down and shit. Anyway, so we had a band going from really, really, really young, and we honestly have just never stopped from then until now so we got another dude in when we were like 12 and he was like actually into real metal and he had a this is the guy with the older brother he's called matt borrowdale uh and he showed us like trivium sepultura chimera like we were really into like the roadrunner style uh, mid-2000s metal so yeah Haybreed, chimera pan uh yeah pantera sepultura trivium slayer all this kind of stuff so we first played like in a music venue when we were like 13. And I've, I think there's videos of that actually in our latest music video, Still Waters Run Deep. There's, cl- there's clips of it, which we put oh, together. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, uh, we wanted to like make a music video that sort of showed our history from then until now. So we were like, I used to have, I, I had dreadlocks at this point, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so we, and in that show, we covered Hatebreed. We covered Chaos AD by Sepultura. We covered Chimera, uh, Power Trip. Probably like a couple of our own songs, um, which were like pretty shit, but actually good for our age at the time, I think. So yeah, we, we were just doing it from that point. And then we met, um, we were playing like local shows with kids in other bands. And we met another band called Decimate, which is Con and Josh, who are the two guitarists in Malevolence now. We met them and uh, sort of just joined forces. Uh, then Alex, who is our current vocalist, he was also in, in our school and he joined in 2009. So, yeah, yeah 13 years ago. Um, wow. Then 2012, we did our first ever tour. Mm. Cool. So uh, yeah. I, I think I think one thing. So was the band, even with the, the high school two song, you know, assembly performance, was it always called Malevolence or were we just like, yeah, we're just a actually- band? Actually, we were called Malevolence then. Yeah, That's yeah. So we're like, crazy. We're, yeah, yeah. We this is we have. What's up? Photos. We're Malevolence. This song's called Teen Spirit. It smells like Teen Spirit. Oh no, no, no. Sorry. When we were playing Nirvana, we weren't called Malevolence. Okay. When we were playing like the real metal shit, we when we decided we wanted to be like a real metal band. What did you call yourself playing? when you were doing like th- those two know. covers? I don't know what we I, call I like the I like the 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 timeline of you guys being called Malevolence since day one, even when you were covering them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that we were like, you know, we were kids, so we probably changed our name every week. Uh, yeah, totally. On, You're like, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I totally remember those early bands for me, where it's like, what if we were called this, and then what if we were yeah. called, and it's like nowadays, it's like that is almost like detrimental to a to a band. Like if you were doing a uh, a name change like super late in the game and it's like whoa yeah. you know um but yeah that's that's hilarious okay so the full band kind of comes together in like the early 2010s it sounds like with the yeah. lineup that it is now um so we're gonna fast forward a little bit like as far as like the history wise so like you guys have put out i guess it's three records and one ep, one EP yeah that's right yeah so like you know since you guys started touring in 2012 like you know, this goes back to maybe my original question of like, at what, 
like was it always out the gate that you guys were like we want to you know do as much as we can we want to like do this or was it just like we just want to have fun and play some shows and then it became like oh i think there's more that we can do here uh i think we always wanted to play as much as we could and like take it as far as we possibly could now i didn't like realize that the ceiling was as high as like the things we have achieved now because Hmm. like it seems like the stuff we get to do at the moment is still like quite surreal to me. Um, but I, I think in around 2011, we did an EP release show for an EP that was never actually released because we were super disorganized. Uh, however, like we saw, I think we sold like 300 tickets in Sheffield at the time. And like, that was the point where we were like, Oh wow. Like there's people that don't even know us. Like, you know, people we don't know personally, like come into our show and like moshing and, and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, we, we've always wanted to be a real band. Like I know obviously most vast majority of people in the hardcore scene, like that is an alien concept to them, but we always wanted to be like a real band and play and tour all the time. I mean, it was never like, yeah, let's be like rock stars, but there was nothing more fun to fucking than going and just like playing a show in a different city and meeting people and, you know, drinking some beers and, that was like all all I wanted to do, all I cared about. And, you know, probably still now, to be honest, my whole 20s. So. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's, um, I think the, the thing that I really like that you said is that like not realizing the, the, like it's kind of like a glass ceiling and you just kept like busting through each yeah. layer of that. And I think that's something that's really interesting with bands that are, really in the conversation right now is like a lot of the time that they have these the um the goals that they have are just like yeah we would like to do this and then it's like if if the product is really good and the band's on point it can just like go further and further and i'm sure there's like someone could be listening to this in like three years time and it's like you guys have done even crazier things than you know what's happening in 2022 so i think that's like really interesting of like not setting your expectations like at like through the roof but knowing that like if you just like be consistent you write good music you're authentic you could like really go places that you never thought were even possible absolutely yeah absolutely i think um even even three or four years ago i didn't anticipate that where we would be at where we are now you know like i look at we we just we just did an, an arena tour right the venues were like fifteen thousand capacity uh every night and like even my favorite bands in the world, like my idols growing up, they they don't play venues like that. So like, to me, that's like, yeah, it's, it's really, really strange. And I'm, I'm really, really grateful for like any opportunity that, that comes our way, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I say, my my goal, you know, there isn't there's never really been a clear goal. Like we're going to we want to be here, we want to be there. Um, but it's just always been keep grinding, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, see where it takes us. Yeah. Yeah, I I think chasing the curiosities of how things grow, like, um, you know, as far as the band that I play in, like, we're no, we're nowhere near at the level that you guys are. But like, again, it really started as a way of like, I just want to play some local shows. And now it's like, now there's conversations of going over to Europe. Now there's conversations of doing like, uh, tours that connect from different festivals that were offered. So it's like, it's, I think when you're in the mix of that, it can feel like, overwhelming and daunting but i think yeah. to, to your point i think you just have to be like okay 
what has been the thing that has got me to this point and a lot of it is just like the creativity the 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 hard work the process of and and just like focusing on that versus feeling like you have to um play um you know hardcore or metalcore chess however you want to say it as far as like yeah. oh messaging these people is like no just okay. if you put out good music like the right people will come to you yeah man yeah absolutely mm -hmm. so um talk to me about like the momentum of the band because i feel like you guys recently in the last few years have just been like shoot into the moon but uh in in i was listening to the downbeat podcast that you were on uh with josh and just talking about like there was like a bit of like um not like growing pains but just struggling at the beginning to like get your music out and for people to like it because it wasn't like i feel like right out the gate you guys kind of you know we're doing kind of the beat down stuff but it had that like pantera metal stuff it had the singing and that i think because when you do something so creative out the get-go it can be a lot harder to like latch on to people versus like we're doing this sound that's like super popular right now and then fans can just yeah. like spark up so talk, talk to me about the momentum and how you guys like really stuck it out so yeah um it's it's quite strange actually because um we like i say we have been touring now for 10 years and for a band to have the momentum we have now i feel at this point in their trajectory does seem quite rare like i don't, I don't want to sound like i'm floating my own boat too much or, or anything um how yeah so we we started touring 2012 and we played lots and lots and lots of shows to absolutely no one right uh, and you know everywhere like we and i'll be honest we still do play show we play shows really really small shows still now like when we go to places the where we aren't known but um it never felt like uh it was never like yeah we're gonna go out here and we're gonna grind it and grind it and grind it because we want to grow we just played those shows because we wanted to play them and if there wasn't anyone there then whatever we're just gonna have a good time anyway mm -hmm. um so we people took a while to take notice to our sound i think um at the beginning we we did play a lot in the hardcore and beatdown scene like a lot um and that was never a conscious move. It was just because that was the people that was booking us and we had heavy beatdowns and right. beatdown kids just want to smash each other to them. And like people liked us there and I like I like beatdown. Um, so I was like involved in that scene and I knew people. Same with the hardcore, like I knew we all knew people in the hardcore scene. So that was just where we got booked. Now recently, like I'd say just the past two years, like the crowd has shifted to like quite a lot more metal. And we started doing them. Well, we always did metal festivals. We started doing much more of them and, you know, getting better slots and things like that, which is really strange because um, people are telling me like that have just heard of us that like literally live in the, the, you know, the same area. Like, oh, yeah, like this. You guys are amazing. Can't believe it. And I'm like, yeah, like we've been playing these same songs for seven, eight years and they right. the metal so you know, the metal songs, like even if you, I don't know if you listen to our first album, but if you listen to our first album or, or our, all of our albums, they are just metal records, really. Mm -hmm. um, they have, they have absolute hardcore influence. They have beat down influence. Um, so yeah, I may, maybe some of that, some of that like difficulty at first, like people didn't like the way we looked. Um, like we used to get a lot of like like hate on the comments, like never really in real life. But um, I remember like our first our first record came out on uh, like a subsidiary subsidiary of um, Century Media, you know that label. Yep. And we were we were on their YouTube channel, and like we 
I don't know if you've seen any of our videos, but we always like your. I've seen your band's video. It's kind of the same vibe, you know. There's like the NYHC and the rap influence. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. like you're yeah, yeah. you're charging around the streets, giving it all of this, right, right. and yeah, I've seen, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But I that, feel like the difference between my music videos and yours is like you guys are renting fancy ass cars and like doing like the fucking butterfly okay, doors, yeah, we, like yeah, which I'm about, one. which I'm about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've done that once, and like. We're just having fun with it, really. But like, I'm we're all more influenced by watching rap music videos and stuff like that. I don't. It's very rare I see a metal video, and I'm like, yo, that was insane. Right. But um, yeah. So we we always had like that element to our visuals, and also like the way we looked and the attitude we gave was also like quite UK. You know what I mean? It was very right. British. Um, I, I can sense that in the, the 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 brand, and people were like a bit resistant to it, like calling us chavs and shit like that. Which like I'm not sure if. Um, your you or your American audience will understand, but it's like uh, I've never heard uh, that word I before, so I don't okay, know. If never heard like... the word chav, right? Okay, yeah. People used to call us like chav, chav core and shit like that. So it's like a you might want to Google it or anyone listening Google it. But it's like maybe like a like a hooligan or like a um, you know like or I don't know. Maybe people use the term like white trash or something in the <laughs> USA. So you know, it's like it's that kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. You know I'm, I'm piecing it together. Like, I don't want to offend anyone, um, yeah. but yeah, uh, or like, partic- yeah, people used to call us that in like the metal scene because we didn't, we don't all have like long hair and right and stuff like that. So yeah, I, just think, I think it's that was- so interesting that you guys are getting like hate because of how you look. When like I look at your guys' Instagram nowadays, I'm like, man, this is the most like dripped out band that I've ever seen. You guys like yeah, super well, fly. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? No, no one says that shit anymore. Like, it's all really positive. And I think that the metal scene or metal core or whatever in general now is just like so much more accepting of people like looking and sounding a different way. Like a million times from. Yeah, when I when I started, like when I got into this music, I remember like where when like people were like in the death metal scene were like hostile to people just for having a fringe or like having tight jeans and mm-hmm. you know what i mean and that kind of vibe or um even people in the hardcore scene when i got into hardcore were like really elitist against like people from metalcore where like obviously now it's like you know no one gives a shit about anything like that anymore right whatsoever so yeah we, we've come a long way no one no one hates the way we look anymore they've just accepted it right <laughs> um and i don't think to be honest i don't think the way we look is even like much of a talking point like most of the festivals we play we played two days ago in poland i walked out of our dressing room there's 25 people in like tribal face plane like wearing antlers like you know like a deer sure uh, and then they're like i went in to watch the set and they're doing like this throat singing like sure. and i was thinking yo i was just thinking people make fun of the way we look and you go to metal festivals and these people dressed up like fucking deers like so uh, yeah yeah i never really understood it to be honest um like that's that's more um i in my opinion more of a target to have fun made out of you if you dress like a deer than if you just want like want to wear a puffer jacket in a music video (laughs) but i i do think first off jordan please mark that because i want to use that as the intro to this podcast uh but second i think it is very interesting that like the conversation around fashion and music has has always been there but i think bands who really like push against um norms or or different things like that like i remember when i was first getting into heavy music in general like 
me finding out about August Burns Red because so many people were like, who are these Aeropostale flip-flop motherfuckers like playing yeah. like this technical breakdown music? And I thought it was just super cool that like band, like this band that was writing a certain kind of music didn't have super long hair, didn't have like fucking chains and all this stuff. Yeah. And like, I feel like there are bands that have that fashion aesthetic that play they play new metal music, they play speed metal, they do hardcore, like, there's not a one size fits all, it feels like anymore, which I think is really, really awesome. And I but I do also think that there, I don't think that anyone can deny that music as a creative outlook, outlet, and fashion as an outlet are, there is a ton of connection between those two entities, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. There is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm much happier now. People are, are more accepting. Uh, it's it's way better than it was before. So much less negativity. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I think you you come from the hardcore scene, right? Like people in the hardcore scene, um, they are more into fashion than people in the metal world of metal, right? Like oh, totally. Yeah, million, people are like so obsessed with like their vintage metallica shirt than like their ten dollar gildan shirt with like just the band print at this point you know uh but again i think it's you know we're 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 having some fun here but i do think that it is like yeah like sometimes when you go and see a band live and they fucking kill it and then you go to their merch spread and you there's like there's a disconnect there and you're like oh like i want to support this band because they're on tour or whatever but it's like I will never wear any of these shirts. And I'm sure yeah. a lot of people listening have been like, I've been in that situation as well. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I I, I feel that way quite a lot, um, to be honest with you. But merch, like you, your merch designs are insanely important for your career to, to, to happen, you know, or even just touring or people to view up your project to grow, I think now. Yeah. So like, that's a perfect segue into one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. And we're going to get into some of the more current stuff that's uh, been happening. Um, But like, you are kind of the brains of the malevolence merch machine. So like, talk to me about like, when you guys made that decision to have it as like, almost like its own entity outside of the band versus like, oh, here's just our merch link. Yeah, so I I do all the designs myself. Uh, in fact, I've just started hiring a couple of other people because I like I can't keep on top of of doing so much because we do like we release a lot of merch. Uh, so that kind of started with when we went um, we went independent for a short. Well, we still kind of are independent, but we went independent label wise um, for a short while because we weren't really getting the offers we wanted from labels. So we we're like, yeah, let's just like release our own music. So we set up our own store and we have, um, we have like, a, we have a warehouse, which I'm in right now. I'll give you a little tour if you like. Yeah, right please. now I'm in, the, I'm, in the I'm in the studio. It's a bit of a mess because we just got back from Poland last night. We have a little kitchen, a little kitchen right here. Oh, nice. Uh, and then uh, we have a warehouse downstairs and we have a practice room underneath here, uh, which none of our equipment is set up. It's been so long since I've had a mobile podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm actually holding my laptop right now then. Oh, no. He's committed. Yeah, yeah. Now we have a warehouse space here where you can see all our merchandise and we actually fulfill it, like we send all the orders Damn. out and shit. Yeah, That's Malevolence yeah, HQ yeah. right there. Yeah, this is, this is Malevolence HQ, which, which was like, <laughs> uh, which, was, which is um, a lockdown project actually because we couldn't tour and we couldn't 
um, come play shows and shit. And uh, we started selling. Well, it was too much for us to handle from like our previous space, uh, the orders when we released our, our EP, The Other Side. So we, um, yeah, we, we got a bigger space. And when we moved in here, like this was completely fucked. It was like, this is a toilet, actually. We're in right now. And we literally, uh, I say we, we can't. <laughs> the I studio was a toilet originally? It was yeah, like, like where I am right now. Like, and when we moved in, it was a toilet. And we pulled yeah. the urinals off the walls, plastic the walls can fit the kitchen if we have a vocal booth here fitted i mean Damn, i say awesome. we did it yeah it was our guitar players quite a skilled tradesman the guy that sings so he he like oversaw the project we like ran around after him you yeah know like, what, I mean? what, what, what can i help out with yeah exactly yeah, yeah i don't know how to do that shit i tried plastering but um <laughs> yeah it's quite difficult yeah did, so um, were you a part of demo that i feel like that as someone that has no experience with like doing trades or anything the only thing that i would be personally interested in is just like taking a sledgehammer to anything so did you guys get to do that at the oh, very demolition. Least? demolition is that is that what you mean yeah yeah, yeah. right yeah, okay. yeah. yeah I, have, I haven't heard that abbreviated before uh demo uh yeah so i've got some great videos of like people taking sledgehammers to sinks and shit like that on the wall um I'm not sure. I don't think we put any like real walls through. Maybe mm. a couple of them here, but like that was um, that's like outside of no, my like, uh, no like Family Guy Kool Aid Man like running through the walls like oh yeah or anything like that. <laughs> nah, nah, nothing like that. Yeah. So sorry. Back to merchandise. Yeah, please. Yeah. So we uh, yeah we worked really hard on it. Um, it was like a lifeline for us during the pandemic. Um, so like we put we put out loads and like if anyone's listening that buys it. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, but yeah, I do all the designs myself. Um, and I think you just you just have to take it seriously now because it's almost like if I go to a show or on tour or anywhere, I go to a show and I see a name on the back of loads of shirts and it clicks in my head like, oh, okay, these guys are popular and people like them and this is the band in this area. Mm -hmm. So that's like, actually, I'd say like one of the, my main ways of like understanding like what bands are popular where and, and and so on you know what i mean yeah totally yeah i i feel like if you're again i think it's um i think that there the the multi-complex aspect of a band like everything needs to have harmony and rhythm between one another like it's anything from like the band's name to matching like the, the name to the logo to the music to the marketing to the merch like everything needs to actually connect and I feel like if one piece is like just off even by a little it could be detrimental to the band so I think that like being ultra aware of like the umbrella of your band from a creative aspect is super important um have you always been someone that's like you were the merch person since like, you know, you guys were starting in 2012 or was this something that you had to like learn and, and hone over time? Um, I think, I think we just did it. I, I've done it for as long as I can remember mm -hmm. now, like for many, many years, it was just absolutely terrible. Um, <laughs> and like we, I, I did it myself mainly because we either didn't have the money or we just didn't want to pay anyone else to do it sure. um, and that is like we have always had quite a diy ethic in our band and it that was never for like like punk points it was just purely because we we're, we're like tight and we don't want to pay people to do anything right <laughs> or we did it you know we didn't want to pay you know our attitude was always like oh why would we like pay someone like when we could just try and try our best to make it happen ourselves now 
I started taking it a lot more seriously about two, three years ago now. Uh, and I'll, I start, I, I do work for other bands and stuff as well, like design work. And mm. I could only really start to call myself like a graphic designer, like in the last, yeah, two years. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I do do, I do a bunch of bands like hardcore bands, uh, a lot of like deathcore and stuff like that. Um, Generally, like towards like the more like novelty side of things, which does seem to be quite popular. Like I done do I done a lot of merch for you know um, tsunami. Yep, good friends so of the pod. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, I've just mm-hmm. done a bunch of. Merch they're today. they're over where you're at right now. Yeah, actually. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I just I just did the tour merch, and it was so it was like one of my favorite merch jobs I've ever had because I don't actually know them in real life. Like the guys I've just spoke online, and they were like, "Yeah," I was saying, "Hey, like, what do you want?" Like on the the tour shirts, and they're like, "Yeah, we want us, but like in a ball of flames, uh, with like the new Tesla, the new Tesla Cybertruck on the front." <laughs> And I was like, yeah, let's go. Say less. And then I think I did another one for them. We, I'm, I'm not sure if they're using it or not, but it's got a weed leaf on it, like holding two guns. And then it says like real bass or something. Yeah, yeah. I like that's, that's a very Benny shirt for sure. Yeah, yeah. That, that, was, that was from him, actually, that mm-hmm. one. Uh, but yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that. And uh, br- brilliant to work with, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so maybe from, you know, I think it's, it really sounds like you've owned, like, you've paid your dues a lot as someone who does merch in the band and then a designer. And like you said, you're only now calling yourself like a graphic designer. You're working with other bands, which it's, is kind of the opposite for a lot of people. They like take one Photoshop course online. Then they, they put graphic designer in their bio and they start doing that. And it's more of a, um, I, I think the term fake it till you make it while it is gross in my opinion to at, at most times, there is like an element where you gotta like you know keep on doing stuff. Is there a someone else in the uh, Malevolence HQ that you just waved? Someone is someone has just walked past actually, but it, okay. it doesn't matter. Yes, yeah, so, I mean I I have like major imposter syndrome with with all the design stuff, and I know that that's quite a common theme with mm-hmm. um, graphic design people. Mine is mainly because, like I say, I have literally like zero. Um, like formal education i just like down like torrented photoshop when i was 14 or whatever sure, and yeah. messed around with it. and then it was only like i say two three years ago where people i never put myself out there and still like i don't do it so much but people just started hitting me up like hey you're are you the guy that does does all this stuff um oh, my band needs my band needs xyz or like this you know i need this for my website or you know merch stores and things like that started hitting me up so that's just sort of where it came from and that's what um so it gave me the confidence to give myself that title, which, right. you know, I, I still feel a, still feel a little bit funny about it now, but right. <laughs> whatever. But I do think like, um, I'm a firm believer, like I did a little bit of schooling for the, the shit that I do from like marketing and creative stuff. I have learned like heaps more when it comes to just like the actual experience of actually doing it and failing and like fucking something up so much that I'm like, I can't put it back together in the edit and, and, and have to reshoot it or, or have to do that. That has like, those lessons have taught me way more than me sitting in the classroom for eight hours learning, you know, where certain things are. I'm not here to say that like formal education for creative stuff, uh, is, isn't the pathway for some people, but I feel like for these specific things, you actually just need to like 
hit the ground running and get your hands dirty and then like learn in the trenches as you're like growing because it's the same thing for me i don't have a formal education when it comes to playing guitar i don't have a formal education in doing a podcast or making videos it's all just been like you know just built from the ground up yeah yeah absolutely um that's i'm yeah i'm exactly the same uh, i learned so much more than did just doing it in 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 every aspect um but yeah there's sometimes where like i learn something um and i'm like what that is just made everything so much easier i, sh- I wish i'd totally. just gone to school someone could have told me that like two years ago and i would have saved so much time like i still have those moments um when you know i feel like it makes me feel like i know nothing mm. but i like i have to convince myself i'm like no wilkie you've you've done this design for this person and they've sold fucking loads of them and it's been a real big success for their brand like you are a you are a real you know designer or whatever but I don't know. I, I try not to think about it too much. Um, I feel like we're we're always our own worst critic, and we're like, yeah, "Oh, I should be here," but it's like you're exactly where you need to be, and you just have to keep like you know advancing every day. What's like the yeah. one? What's the biggest lesson you've learned with all the merch stuff that you've done? And that could either be like a technical thing that you've learned, or something that is a little bit more personal about yourself and how you're built. Um, I think like just don't be afraid to take risks um with the merch stuff uh that's a big thing for me then also like not to get beat up um when things don't work mm. because um can you yeah, elaborate I on mean, that a little bit more sorry so like yeah a lot of our shit like i don't know if you see it like is is kind of silly like a lot of the designs <laughs> i do are really fucking like the, the, the ridiculous but often they're the ones that will like by far do the best uh mm. you know as opposed to like something which isn't a risk at all. Like, you know, if we print our album artwork and malevolence cross the front of a shirt, it's like all people will always buy it, um, you know, but it's never going to, but also at the same time, you're not going to have that like insane fucking hype that you were doing something like a little bit more silly. So, a lot like of the, the stuff like that the I've Matrix bought, shirt that you guys yeah, have put out yeah, recently. Yeah, exactly. Well, we did one at Halloween and it had like the scream thing. You know, it looked like a movie post and it had like mm. the scream guy on it. And like, I didn't like, I made that one. I didn't like it at all. And I was showing it to the guys. I was like, yeah, I think it's like a little bit corny. They're like, oh yeah, you know, just, just do it. Just, just like, let's just put it out anyway. And then we, we, that was like our biggest one, you know, our biggest design for, mm. for months and months and months and months. So yeah, learn to like take risks a little bit more because that is really what pays us pays off for us and then also like if, if you do something and you put a bunch of work in and then it doesn't go good just like don't you know just you gotta take the fucking lows of the highs i mean it's the same with play you know it's the same with running any business like it's the same with playing shows um sometimes ones you think are going to be amazing uh shit sometimes like the you know the the shit ones turn out to be absolutely amazing you just gotta like take the low with the high and as long as like at the end of the period you look you can look back and think oh it was good you know in the in the long term then you know you should be happy mm-hmm. rather than you know getting, you know there's been times you know like particularly with merchandise you put like loads of effort into like a range or it couldn't be like a tour and then it just completely flops and you're like no my life's over but um yeah, yeah. but i i think uh I think you hit the nail on the head as far as like, I think a lot of merch, there's there's always merch that bands of any genre will print and yeah, people will buy it because it's the black shirt with the little pocket design and then yeah. something on a live shot on the back. It's like probably the most common heavy yeah. music shirt ever made. Um, 
But I do think that bands who do high risk, high reward kind of shirt, like, again, there's risk involved. There might be people who are like, what? The, well, you took this move and you put it on a poster? Like, yeah. or what is that? But yeah. I do think that, like you said, you weren't sure about it. The band's like, you know, let, let's put it out and see what happens. And it was your biggest thing. And I think that's the thing that that's kind of like the part two to what I was saying earlier is that like staying your staying in your lane and, and doing just like keep, you know, focusing on your creative and putting it out there to kind of show your growth a but also like get yeah. feedback because I feel like feedback is something that a lot of people in creative like really stress about. And like the minute that they get any negative feedback, they like they plummet and they crush versus like, okay, let me, let me look at this unemotionally for a second. And then like actually be like, Oh, this person does has a point, have a point. Okay. I'm going to look at that a little bit differently. You know, some, some like some feedback or criticism comments, you're just like, okay, this is totally out to lunch. You know, I'll just like leave it. But I feel like the process of doing that builds up that, that mental strength because the initial thing, the first thing that you put out as a creative, it like, it feels detrimental when people don't like it. Yeah. I've put out yeah. almost like 200 podcasts and now I don't give a fuck if people love it or hate it. I'm just about the process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think, I just honestly, I think it's really, really scary. Like anyone doing anything, whether if you're in a band or if you're making art or like even yourself doing a podcast, like I would personally find it really scary to be like, yeah, I'm launching a podcast tomorrow. Like, I'm going to try and get some guests on who's going to listen. And then, you know, your first episode is going to come out. Two people are going to listen to it and you're going to think, oh, like I'm a fucking idiot. No one cares. And, you know, so I think putting yourself out there creatively in any manner is quite scary. Now, like I know like people from the hardcore scene, maybe the people that listen to this podcast probably think that's really corny for me to say that because like I know that, you know, within our world, like success is like, besides the point like you know you never made you never made scoped exposure to like be like yeah i'm gonna be fucking the metalcore joe rogan you know what i mean you know i mean you're doing it i'm looking to dethrone joe rogan i don't want to sit beside him exactly you know it's a passion project and like ultimately so is like the thing everything i do you know i mean everything malevolence the merch ultimately it's a passion project same as this podcast so like wanting success sometimes feels kind of corny but then if no one cares it is also i don't know maybe i would find it a little bit embarrassing but the, whatever, the level you know, yeah yeah i i, I think like if you have no success with a podcast and you've done like over 100 episodes then it's like uh, unless you you're like a super person and you're like i'm only doing this for me and and then yeah like yeah. good more for power you. to you but I do think that some people need a little bit of a boost with, um, you know, it's the same as a band. It's like, it's fine if your same group of 40 friends are always coming to the local shows you guys are playing. But like yeah. you said, like it, it becomes surreal when you're like, we're playing like we're playing to hundreds of people that I might only know 5% of who, who are here, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I think like, you know, it's the same thing with this podcast. I think if it's... I feel like I didn't really figure out the rhythm and -hmm. where I wanted to go with it until I was like at episode 70 or 80. But, you know, it took those first, you know, 70 episodes to like, you know, talk with my friends, like learn my practice, learn like what, you know, what questions I should ask, what ones I should avoid. Um, But yeah, I think it's like, 
you have to fucking show up and do it. If yeah. you, if you yeah. want like the level of what you and I are yeah. doing with, whether it's like a huge merch operation or a yeah. big podcast. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And often it's like, like you say, it took, it took you those 70 episodes to actually develop into the, you know, where, where you want, you know, who you are now with it. And yeah, 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 man, you're good. Like you're, you're good at speaking. You're better than me. I, I'm, I'm still like, like <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I'm still quite used to like be like, talking in this way you know like in where people actually watch and you know it being smooth and i'm still i'm still learning myself actually so like uh this this album cycle we've done well i've had to do i think maybe this is maybe six or seven uh like interview things so like now i feel like i'm quite warmed up but that one i did uh down the downbeat yeah yeah shout out to like that, yeah shout out to craig yeah yeah you know what his podcast is sick, but I wasn't like warmed up and I was like nervous before going on because I know like a bunch of people listening to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, uh, yeah, I just didn't really think, you know, I wasn't, didn't, wasn't confident at speaking at that point, but I'm a li- little bit better now. Yeah. <laughs> well, as far as being this far into the episode, you're killing it. Um, okay, I did want to talk about um, some of the, the music videos. Um, you know, we, we hit on the self-supremacy you know, fancy car kind of vibe, which I yeah. I think that was one of the first songs I heard from you guys. And I was like, what is this band with this like crazy yeah. guitar intro? And then, you know, the whole thing. One thing um, that I want to ask as far as the um, the the music video on Broken Glass, it was like a super DIY operation. And there was a yeah. video circulating online because it was right on the train tracks. And there was like yeah. a train that had stopped like yeah. mid mid recording a take or whatever so can you talk to me about like you know t- tell me about the whole operation of like putting that you know uh shoot or show or however you want to whatever it was and then like let's yeah. get into the, the the actual meme of it but uh yeah tell me about it so we we always had in mind we wanted to do a music video like that like i know that style of video is like quite cliche like particularly in the early 2000s like new metal era you know like the the block party kind of there's just a band playing on a stage vibe like sure. it, i know it has been done to death yeah. and like i don't care because i'm a fan of that style of video so we were like yep yeah, we're gonna do our own version of it i think the the reference we showed a video guy was um pod south town i don't know if you're aware of that video but Big anyone POD. go i almost wore my pod shirt for this podcast i kind of okay. regret not doing that so that if a yeah, if you're listening to this, go and watch the POD Southtown video and then go and watch the Unbroken Glass video. And, and that was the reference. So we had that one in mind. And I actually put that that video together. So I found that, that we found a yard um, just like in an old factory that were allowing people to host events and had like a mobile bar. And we hired a stage. So we, we actually had the stage built for that. And then... I think we sold we sold like 300 tickets and then we had probably something similar on like on guest list just like friends and family and shit. Yeah. Uh like maybe like you know cuz it's in our hometown like we've all lived here forever so yeah we had like all our girlfriends, friends, family whatever invited everyone down. Um and honestly we just had the fucking best party ever that day. We we shot in like the I know if you look at the music video everyone's just like laughing and smiling and it's super like not I know if you look at our other videos, they're like a bit more moody and aggressive, which to be honest, isn't like who we are as people at all. But that one is like, <laughs> well, it's, is, uh, it's funny that you, sorry to cut you off, but it's funny yeah. that you said that. Cause like when Brian from Knock Loose came on, it was like, uh, we were, ta- we were talking about you guys and it was like, yeah. oh, like 
they uh malevolence reached out for me to be on the album it's like oh that's the scary band from europe (laughs) it's like a yeah 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 i I mean a lot of people think that yeah so the the vibe for that video we it's really really happy and it completely captures the vibe it was just like the sun was shining i think this was like one of the first events like after you know covid you know where you could actually have a real party in the uk so uh, we put a big, big party on and we essentially filmed it. We had a real show like where Rough Justice, there's a band called Rough Justice played um, and then which is our drummer's hardcore band. And then another band called Split Knuckle, which is a hardcore band from uh, Essex and London, which mm-hmm. is both both those bands, by the way. And yeah, we had a little crane. We had a crane, which was cool, you know, for like the aerial shots. Dude, that is uh, that is the money shot of all those types yeah, of videos. The yeah. fucking like, like yeah. oh man. As a videographer, I was like, as soon as I saw the crane, I'm like, that's gonna be yeah. it. It was it was worth it actually getting the crane because as soon as I showed PO, the POD video to the guy that directed it, he was like, Yeah, they've got a crane, we need a crane. Like, you have to get one. I was like, Okay, yeah, all right, whatever, let's go. Yeah. Uh, then with the train, it just so happened that there was a train line above there. And the funny thing about the train stopping is it wasn't like a regular a regular train, like people just going from A to B. It was like, I think it was like one of these like old fashioned ones that like, you know, like old people have like a day out where they go and have fucking tea and cake. You know, what? Probably, I'm not even sure what happened in the USA. It looked like one of those Harry Potter trains, right? Yeah, where, like, totally. Fucking, like people go and have dinner on it. And like, because I was looking through, I'm looking at the video and there's, there's tables with like the lights on and the, you know, the light, uh, yeah, lamps fixed into the table. Yeah, little chandelier and, like, inside or whatever. Yeah, little chandeliers, curtains over the windows. I was thinking, I've never been on a train like that. Now, there was a dude that was at the show and he he works in some capacity on the train line. Okay. Um, he was saying to me, oh, yeah, I know like whoever is responsible for that train. I'm going to try and find the videos of what, people took from the train like of the show so i've been i've been onto him about that but not nothing ever surfaced unfortunately Mm -hmm. so that's how that happened and it just so happened that it pulled up in like one of the biggest breakdowns in our set and like loads of people filmed it and shit so yeah it was during i think um the video i saw was during uh self-supremacy yeah the breakdown yeah screaming and then just like zooming in and people just like looking at this train that like again is from like a more like a more civilized time if you want to call it that (laughs) but it was just like like I, I'm very curious, like, like were trains just going by or is there a specific stop there? So they, they were going by, but it was tr- they were going by all day, actually. And I said to Dan, who was filming, I was like, yo, you need to get a shot of the train at some point going over. But I think that one, I don't know why it stopped. Now, I don't imagine it would have the power, like the driver would be able to just stop because yeah, like right. where it was. It was just outside the, like the main train station in, in Sheffield city center. So I'd imagine there's like, you know, high, quite a high amount of traffic on those train lines, but a lot of people like when they saw that video and at the show, I got messages like, yo, like, was that on purpose? Did you hire Like, did you hire the train? Like, Oh, did you, how did you get that to happen? And I was like, yo, like, do you think we have the fucking power to like start stopping? Tra- <laughs> we, we, we were just surprised we could get a crane for this video, let alone a yeah, train yeah, exactly. stopping. <laughs> But I mean, uh, I'm very flattered that anyone would think that like that would be within our, our reach. <laughs> I, 
I just imagine it like let's say the conductor was the one to actually stop he's like uh if you look out on the uh east side of the train you might see a local band malevolence tearing it the fuck up like yeah yeah absolutely i mean they definitely got a good show those passengers I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they like what the fuck is going on down yeah. there like huge pits someone's got a smoke grenade <laughs> i just think like any of those kind of um those moments where it's like I I think uh, another band uh, uh, in in America that did uh, kind of a block party kind of a show uh, similar to you guys was um, yeah. uh, Varials off of a, a couple a couple albums yeah. back because um, we yeah. had uh, Eric Easterday who directed that on the podcast and we and we yeah. talked a lot about that I'm a big fan of his um, I, but yeah, I, I just think any any moment that is like an outdoor hardcore thing that like the normies of the world are just like randomly coming by. I just can't imagine what their conversations at their dinner table is like, like, Oh honey, you won't <laughs> believe what I saw today on the train. Yeah. I saw people like jump in and punching each other and smoke grenades yeah. and like, it yeah. was wild. <laughs> I think like the most common thing people think is it's like a fight or a riot or, right. or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Which, yeah, like, I've seen that again. It's like people would stop and stare either way, you know. Yeah. It's like, oh, what's going on? So, yeah, I've seen that Varials video actually. I, I have seen it, and I, I'm sure that probably come up in conversation like when we were planning ours because we were like, yeah, has anyone like has anyone done one of these recently? Like, is it you know, is it too close? But, um, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't think that there's anyone in our scene that can like lay claim to doing a video in that style because. It you know it's one of the most generic like uh, concepts for a music video. Right. However, like I don't care. Like I I'm happy to participate in that cliche. Like I think it, I think they're sick, and I always enjoy them. And that video for me is personally like the, my favorite Malevolence music video that there is. So right. Whatever. Well, I think like you know I think it's the argument of like there's no original ideas, but I'm just a firm believer yeah. that's like as long as you are throwing your own spin on it and you are yeah. doing like. And, and you're not like it's not a clear copycat then it's like yeah like like just do your thing and and make it the best i think that's that's the thing it's like if there's if, if there are no original ideas just do your shit the best yeah. that you can absolutely yeah I, I think we did put our own spin on it um and i i agree with you with music videos like we find it hard to pull out uh, original ideas to be you know like i watched I think like the vein videos recently i don't know if you've seen them like the the from the latest vein record and the fucking the videos are absolutely insane mm -hmm. uh like there's the one where they're playing in the house and i think there's like some kind of like giant baby or like something right. like that like yeah, yeah. the that was, um... coming through the window mm -hmm. yeah and uh, i mean i was really impressed by that because like i'm i don't feel like anyone in my band is like creative in that capacity to like think of a concept like that um, now, not saying that that would work for malevolence. Like, I don't really want to be playing in a house with a baby killed, like, stabbed. <laughs> but for them, for them, it was fucking amazing. And I was really, really impressed. Yeah. Yeah. But you guys have done, like, I think um, on the EP, um, you guys did, like, a, a music video, like, Out in the Rain. Um, yeah. Which, yeah. again, like, I, I do think, you know, there, there's plenty of bands that have done those. But, like, yeah. I feel like it, as long as you are doing it your way, yeah have at it so i think I, I don't know if you've seen this video there's you know finn mckenzie yes you froze on my end for a bit i'm waiting until you kick back 
You mentioned Finn McKay. Yes. I think I lost you. Yeah. He's done a he's done a video like he's done uh, one of his YouTube videos and it's like the five most generic metalcore music video concepts you know sure. something along those lines and i watched it recently and i was like oh shit like we've done every single one of these <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> i've been called uh, yeah, like i think there's the one in the rain there's the one in the rain on there there's like, yeah there's like the fucking there's one in the rain on there there's the block party there's like some man it was for made me laugh anyway. Yeah, and the, oh no, so we haven't done any of that shit. Like that's oh, okay. always been off the cards for us. The the, the, the <laughs> countryside, the, the forest. Like we're never forest, doing. Like, yeah, we're, we're never doing the crap, the crab core, and the orange amps in the forest. <laughs> like we'll never do. That. But but yeah, I mean, if you want to do, uh, yeah. oh, so if, if where it's like that style, like you you know, it's like some New York hardcore style shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, a, a band that's really popping on the opposite side of the world from where, where you're at is Speed, and it's like their last few music Oh, man, I love them. I are love just them. like I'm... in the camera. Yeah, and yeah. It's like... So many outfit changes in those videos. Like, I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Like, I'm watching like, like, okay, that singer's had like 12 different outfits on, They're all carefully planned. Uh, I know the guy that did that, actually. Uh, shout out to him. It's the saddest day on IG. Yeah. But yeah, Speed, Great I fucking love Speed. Oh. We played with them in um, in Sydney, and mm -hmm. I didn't really know who they were. Uh, someone just told me, oh, yeah, this is like the Sydney hardcore band in the Super Popping, and they opened the show for us. Like, I walked in the venue, like, five minutes after doors. The venue was packed. People were fucking killing each other, and I was like, oh, no, we are about to have the worst show ever. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, we've got to play. We've got to play after. We've got to play right after these guys. Fuck. Yeah, and we played, and, like, people didn't really care that much. But, <laughs> yeah, shout out to Speed. Anyway, I love him. I love him. Yeah. Um, Jordan, Jordan texted me saying uh, we were just getting a little bit of lag on your end. Do you need to plug in your laptop? Okay, no, no, I'm, I'm on 65%. Let me just see oh, if I'm okay. on the okay, yeah, yeah. And then we're See chilling on the right Wi-Fi. Ah, yeah, you know, is someone downloading the new Stranger Things right now? Like, <laughs> you know what? We, there's actually two different uh, networks in this building, and I was on the downstairs one, so I'm on the upstairs one right now. Okay, so that that will maybe. probably help. <laughs> yeah. Um. No. Yeah. I think it's uh, you know, just off of that point. Um. Uh. Uh. My boss, who also plays in bands, he he's he's always talking about like he loves playing with bands that kind of like make him question like, Oh shit. Like, am I, am I going to be able to play of the same level of this band or even better? So there's like, there's always like a little bit of like a competitive nature when you're playing shows. Yeah. Cause you want to fucking kill it and you kind of yeah. want to be the, the talk of the fest, the talk of the show. Yeah. So like, I think that kind of keeps you on your toes a little bit. As Absolutely. Well. And also just like the vibe with speed is very, very, very hardcore, like simple, simple riffs and like with us when i see people going the fuck after that i'm like yeah like we've got like solo guitar solos in every single song like we've got like intricate intricate patterns intricate drumming like maybe this isn't the right place for us to be playing a show but you know whatever like i, I was just happy to be at a cool show in australia you know totally. zero zero complaints from me mm -hmm. um uh, uh, since we're on the topic of music videos a little bit uh i i wanted to talk to you about the um the keep your distance music video okay. and, yep. and song. Cause I thought it was funny. Cause you guys dropped that, you know, I'm sure you wrote that song well at the end of like 2019, 
and mm-hmm. you, you know we're shooting it while you're on that knock loose tour and then you put it out like um i think like february of 2020 yeah. and then yeah. the pandemic hits and then social distancing is like the buzzword for multiple months so like i'm yeah. kind of curious if that song popped off a little bit more because of that like because obviously like yeah. you guys had no idea but um got- i'm sure i'm sure that song just kind of memed itself a little bit yeah, we got really, really, really lucky with that. Like, <laughs> that that came out like the moment fucking like pandemia hit in the UK. Totally. And uh, I've got a funny story because we in in the UK, right? I don't know if it's the same in the states, but on the motorways, like the highways, there's signs quite frequently, like big, big, big billboards, and they say "keep your distance" on them, right? You know, just to like. <laughs> sure cars don't uh make sure cars aren't too close to each other right, right. yeah so we, we, you know we knew that there was like a bunch of them close to sheffield and we were like shit like we need like a banging ig post for when this single drops you know like something funny to post with it so we got in the car and we were like yeah let's drive to the closest keep your distance sign so we can um we can take a photo like yeah we we posed underneath it like you can it's so if you, it's still on our Instagram if you scroll down like you mm. can find it. So and anyway we couldn't find one and we ended up driving so like fucking one hour thirty out of Sheffield like looking <laughs> for one looking at every sign like shit is it that one no 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 we drove for ages and ages and ages. Mm. Anyway we got we got the photo. Literally two weeks later, it said keep your distance in every fucking supermarket in every any anywhere you could possibly you're go like, like i just go down to the corner yeah. store and there'd be four <laughs> options like, there you're like fuck we spent a whole day taking that trying to find that that spot to take the photo and now it's Hilarious. fucking everywhere but yeah man um we got very very lucky with with that being a, a pandemic catchphrase <laughs> to, to do. right um, i think it's our biggest so yeah yeah it was yeah it was just like Again, the serendipity of that, like you couldn't even write that for like a TV show. Nah, nah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sick, actually. Um, so a couple other questions, uh, Wilkie, as we're kind of heading towards a close. So, yeah. you know, like like we mentioned kind of at the top, like malevolence has just been hitting all these like new ceilings and, and new milestones. I'm curious if there's any milestones that for you as a member of this band, because I'm sure everyone's got their own personal one, but what kind of milestone are you still waiting to hit when it comes to malevolence? Um, I never, ever, ever want to fly from Manchester airport in the UK ever again. Like that's one of my long-term goals in music right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> if, if we could get our band to the point where we just had to never, ever go to Manchester airport, um, I'd be very grateful because, it's absolutely fucking terrible um so i'm not just, sure if that's it's just like chaotic at the wazoo yeah yeah i mean you just can't sit down you can't get a bottle of water you can't get any food uh it's chaos there at the moment uh so that that's my current milestone that i've set over the last couple of weeks because we've just done a bunch of shows and been fucking like flying flying out quite a lot mm. uh, so if i could get my band to that point that'd be brilliant uh <laughs> other than that no uh, uh other than that i don't really think i have any like um honestly i or the ones growing up i always wanted to play download festival mm. um i don't know if you know what that is it's like the big big rock festival in the uk where they have like metallica and all of that shit mm. uh, i always wanted to play that which like we've played three times now and I'm about to play for the fourth time this next weekend. Um, 
so I kind of feel like I've achieved everything where I want like that I want to achieve um honestly just to if we could just like sustain this shit for like uh, 20 years that would be that would be amazing I know yeah if if we you know lucky enough to sustain the shit for 20 years I'd be very very grateful because that's a lot easier said than done um totally you know if we could just maintain the level we're at which is I honestly a lot of the things we get to do really really regularly I just I can't even believe we just we just flew out to Malta and did bring me the Horizons Festival um, yeah. on fucking tropical island. You know, there's boat parties, pool right. parties. Like, it was like the coolest festival ever. And I was just there like, yep, yeah, like this is it for me. Like this is the best shit. We've, this is like literally last week. I was like, yep, yeah, this is the best shit I've ever been to in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh, like as, as in a band anyway. So... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to quickly uh, plug my my friend Alan. Uh, he's a, a creative content band person like myself. Uh, he he's been recently running with the the Beartooth guys. So just seeing oh, yeah. his, his Instagram story, I'm just like, is this uh, like a European beach party or a music festival? And then it's like, oh, it's yeah. both. I'm like, damn. Okay. <laughs> it, it was it was fucking insane. Um, and I met the Beartooth guys that 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 weekend actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so honestly, I'm very, very grateful for everything we have. I never thought we'd get to the point where we are now. Like I say, like my, many of my favorite bands for many years, like I don't think maybe, I don't know. I, f- I feel like I've got to do all the shit that they did now. So I'm just, I'm just happy. I'm just happy to be where I'm at. Yeah, and, and honestly, it's like, it's super awesome to, to hear how humble and, and grateful you are for this whole thing, because I think, it's I've seen I've seen it with bands as they've grown. It's like they've become harder to reach, almost like a caricature of themselves. And it's like they don't remember the people that helped get them there at the first place. So it's like it's really cool to be able to talk to people who are like, even if this all ended tomorrow, like if it just imploded, like I would I would still feel like I did the absolute best, you know, things of my life through my music projects. And, you know, I I'm just happy. I'm just grateful for the, for the journey. So that's very Absolutely. evident uh, from you, Wilkie, for sure. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. I'm, I'm always like quite conscious that I come off too uh, arrogant on these things. It's like, <laughs> I can like talk about myself forever, but um, yeah, thank well, you. Well, you know, it's the point of having you on the podcast. I want to talk yeah. to you about, you know, what you're up to. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, talk to me about the new record, Malicious uh, Intent. So something that's interesting uh when i was listening to the downbeat is like you guys are like a very diy band and you know have done a lot of those you know pressings yourself in addition Mm -hmm. to the stuff with nuclear blast so like yeah yeah just talk to me about like like how much like is that more of a control thing of the band like we want to make sure that we if we're giving a product to people we want to not have it messed up by someone else um, and yeah. talk to me about the relation to nuclear blast as well. Um, honestly, where we were at, we did, we self-released the other side uh, on MLV LTD, our own label. And honestly, it went really, really, really well for us. Like the band grew loads with that record. Uh, so we were like, hold on, like, fuck, fuck having a label. Like we've just done this ourselves and it's been the most success we've ever had with a release. So like, we're going to do it. Um, and that was the game plan for the vast majority of creating the album. Like we, we paid for the studio. We, you know, we started doing the videos. We did most of the videos. And then 
we had a really good festival summer last year and we just had a bunch of labels come uh, make you know they were interested just like opening conversations and we just uh, to be honest with you bro and we just didn't care uh i had to be really convinced to sign to new i don't even want to sign to nuclear blast to be honest now not to disrespect those guys because i'm very glad that we did do that totally. and they've been, yeah. they've been brilliant um but i was like a little bit hesitant because of like the, i don't know things we've had in the past and the position we were in so in, when it came to negotiating that, uh, because I needed to be won over, well, we needed to be won, won over, the, uh, we kind of just, we wanted to do the deal on our own terms. And one of our terms was, I want to do my own pressing in the UK and I want people to be buying it from our store that we run like physically in this building. Like I want that to be a thing and I don't really want to give it away. And that was one of my terms and they were, they were fine with it. Now, it does kind of make sense because nuclear blast out in Europe, they're based in Germany. And I don't want people to be ordering, you know, people in the UK to have to order their shit from Germany or right. order it from, or, or otherwise they'd have to order it from like HMV, which is a, um, which is like the main CD chain CD yeah. store here. Um, I don't know what you guys have. Yeah. Best Buy or something. Yeah, we do have Best Buy, but I, uh, there are some HMVs that uh, exist out here too. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, the alternative would be in the, uh, people in the UK would have either had to order from Germany and play, pay like custom charges on it and shit, or they'd have to go to a smaller record store or HMV. And I wanted Dude, to have Arab shit here as, in the as UK. As someone that lives in North America, uh, and my my favorite European band um, is uh, is Guilt Trip. I just had um, oh, uh, Jacob, their their vocalist, uh, just a couple episodes ago. And anytime they would drop merch, I would be like super excited. I hit to check out. I'm like the shipping for the shirt is like more than the shirt itself. Yeah. And it's yeah, just, yeah. You know, that's the name of the game, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think they, they should get, they should get some shit set up in the USA, like cold cuts or something. Yeah. Surely. Yeah. yeah that, that was our reasoning behind um, the vinyl. Also. Yeah. We want to do our own pressings. We want to make them cool. We want to sell them all of that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Fa fairly, sim fairly simple answer. Yeah. But I think um, the thing that ties back to one of the first things that we talked about is that like, I think bands early in their career are like they're they're chasing the ideal thing. They're like, oh, we need to do this. So we'll take any deal like we need to be on this label. So we'll like, you know, yeah. like, take anything that we can get because we want our music to get out there. But it's there's clear examples where it's like if you stay in your lane and you do your thing, um, the right people will come to you. And whether that's like festivals asking you to play labels being like, hey, we want to we want to offer you something but we also like are open because like we really believe in what the band is doing and and all yeah. those things like it's very apparent to like just do your shit well and the right people will come yeah. and if you're not doing it well no one will come and that's yeah. just kind of it and that that was um that was kind of the angle that nuclear blast came from um they were just like look we want to work with you and like, we are just down to work with you in whatever capacity that may be, like, however it works with your system that you have, we just want to be involved and help. And so, you know, that essentially, which is why we signed with them. And honestly, they're doing that, I think, a lot more than Nuclear Blast in particular are doing that a lot more than people realize. Like, I've seen some smaller labels, and I'm not going to say any names, but some smaller bands where 
I start, I start seeing the music videos and I'm like, yeah, like that, that, like this looks like it's got a big budget or whatever. And then like, you see, you scroll down like on YouTube and then in the bottom somewhere, it just says like one line text in partnership with nuclear blast. And so that, I think that they're involved with more bands than you think, like mm. and often because of the way people want to be perceived. Now they don't want to like be signed screaming like, yeah, we've signed to nuclear blast. They're just like on a smaller label or, and then nuclear blast will like come and jump in with the smaller label and help them release it and have some kind of stake in it, which is yeah. sick. Really? Mm. I think I really admire what they're doing. Like they, they, uh, they, they're trying to cover all bases in extreme music, like small, medium, large, like literally all of it. Just sick. Mm. Yeah. And I think like there's, there's something to be said about just like, I feel like just with how the music industry is right now, it's like labels can get a bad rap. So it's like almost more important for, for labels to go the extra mile for artists and even like people that they don't even like have on their roster, you know, like yeah. I have, I have a really great relationship with uh, the people over at flat spot. Yeah. Like a multitude of things of them. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, we talked about speed earlier. I, I remember uh, Flatspot hit me up to interview them. This is before they kind of had their uh, explosion with We See You. Um, mm -hmm. But like I listened to the band and I was about it. Um, Jim and I had a great chat. And then it's like now like there's that there's that um, that trio connection between myself, the label yeah. and this, you know, like I've been That's hit cool. up and now I'm getting hit up for the podcast from like, you know, PR people asking, hey, can we have michael from volumes come on and i'm like truthfully like i like i haven't listened to volumes like actively in like yeah. you know since via like one of their first records but like we had a great chat and i feel like that's kind of where this podcast is going now where it's like i can hit up you know homies like you or like people that i have you know go, go to shows with but now we're also looked at as like just a media like you know, oh, place yeah. where people can do that and you know, sorry, sorry, I'm talking a little bit about too much about the, my own podcast here. But, um, you know, a lot of people hit me up now and they're like, oh, can and they're only thinking about like what benefits them. And I think a big thing about this podcast for me is like being very um, critical of the curation of my guests and like who yeah. I'm having on and, and why, because I think it's very apparent when it's like someone is on a podcast and I feel like here's the standardized like press kit that you were given yeah. and you're talking about. And it's like, I'm more concerned about the people and the details about the band versus like what, you know, how was the recording process of malicious intent? Yeah. Like, you know, those questions to me just seem very easy and, and hollow. And I just want to like, have it be more of like, if we were just in the room chatting, if I was at malevolence HQ, this is how I feel like this conversation. Yeah. Would it would be absolutely and um yeah this this does feel very natural and also like you do seem uh, like you know what you're talking about as well like you like you've done a fair amount of homework or you've been aware of like, what we're doing for you know a, a little while so i appreciate that very much and it does go a long way in a podcast like very occasionally we, like i don't really do much like media like talking like this at all but occasionally you do something and like it's very, very obvious that they have absolutely no idea you are. And like someone from the labels just sent an email out and some random person has been like, yep, yeah, I'll do it. Like I actually did one two weeks ago. And the first, it was like a, an interview thing, like a Zoom interview, uh, sat down the first questions, like, what do you think the difference is between religion and spirituality? I was like, well, like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and then uh, the second- This is not what I, I signed like, up for or thought yeah, this was going to go. One, the second one was like, do you think that um, 
do you think that Elon Musk is going to meet aliens? Uh, I need like 30 seconds on this. And I was like, what the fuck? And then, yeah, I think I think I just told him he couldn't put it out, like they couldn't release it because, I, I, you know, it was just like silly, really. Right. A bit of waste of time. You know, it was a... It was like a German industrial dance fucking blog. And like they had quite a lot of followers. Where I was like, yeah, this isn't going to benefit either of us. Me so, being on here. So I think, you know, this is for the few maybe interviewers who are like listening to this. I would say that like if your niche is like the super obscure random questions that you think you would never be asked. um, Like, I feel like you just need to own that. But I feel like at the same time, you need to preface that to the guests. Like, hey, I'm having you on. We're not so a music podcast. Yeah. Like we're a music podcast that also does this. So yeah, I absolutely. feel like, you know, it like it's very it's something that I always have to keep in check too. Because when I ask people to come on, some people don't like. Most times people are like, "Oh yeah, I got my beverage ready to go." Some people don't know. Some people don't know that we do a video version. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and you know, for me, I, again, I like to ask things about the person. So maybe, so I, it's always like a, a game of chess for me as the host to kind of know like how deep can this conversation go? And I kind of lean on you as the guest to kind of like give me cues and then I can kind of go deeper yeah. into that. Yeah, yeah, I, I can tell. I can tell that you do that and it's it's good and it's smooth, but absolutely. Like you need to brief someone if you're going to ask them all that shit. Yeah, dude, and if, if you're like, like, yo, what is, yeah. what are your thoughts on Area 50, uh, 51? Yeah. And you're like, uh, yeah, and honestly, I, I play no bass and, and make cares. merch. <laughs> <laughs> like no one cares about me hearing that shit like i'm not a fucking celebrity you know like maybe if it was adele or yeah. you know fucking will smith someone wants to hear the thoughts on something stupid and just listen to them speak absolutely no one on planet earth cares about me talking so about something. i i just did a a, a podcast with um uh, jesse from stick to your guns and okay. um it was uh it was very interesting because uh like he's done loads and loads of interviews and uh when i was looking for a little clip for the beginning of the episode because i had like a little like funny little excerpt and i never normally like include something from the band it might just be something like you know from where they're based or you know just some kind of meme that we talked about you know for this episode i might pull up the fucking like harry potter train and just have a yeah. funny clip from that but for for jesse we talked a lot about dogs at one point, and there's an Empyrean, uh, Empyricon, is that how you say it? Yeah, Empyricon, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they had a series when I was, like, first getting into music where it was, like, a this or that, like, you know. Yes, I've seen this. Yeah, yeah. So there's, like, a, a clip of him from an interview where it was, like, dog or cat, and he's, like, dog, 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 dog. And I was, like, that that's very connected to the episode, and I put that in. But, again, yeah. it's, like, if the purpose of that interview is like, hey, this is what we're doing. And then the guest is like, oh, okay. So it's, you know, for all the interviewers out there, like if you have a very obscure show, show just like make sure your guests know, yeah. knows what they're getting into. If they're just like, I'm coming on to talk about my band and what I do, yeah. um, then have at it. Yeah. I Honestly, I think a lot of the really, really terrible ones I've had have been at like the bigger, more commercial festivals. And I think that a lot of people, they just pull it to get like free uh, entrance to the festival. Oh, They're like, dude, totally. I need a media pass and like, I'm going to interview X, Y, Z. And then you turn up, they literally like have no idea like who you are, what band you are, you're in. Mm -hmm. uh, and they ask you some stupid questions and then like, no, one, you know, no one ever watches it. Um, so do you know um, Shane Told from the band Silverstein? 
No, I don't. Yeah, yeah. You you know of the band Silverstein though. Yeah, right? I know Silverstein. I know Silverstein. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Shane was on. Um, so Johnny Christ, who plays bass for Avenged Sevenfold, has a podcast, okay. and yeah. Shane was on it, and they were talking about like bad interviews. And uh, yeah. Shane said that it was again, it was like it was at, like a warp tour, you know, some kind of festival that is like, you know, anyone can kind of get in. So this is more on like the people that are like giving out these passes for media. Yeah. Um, but Shane said he was being interviewed and he looked down and like she didn't have a recorder uh, like going or she wasn't taking notes. And then like third question in, he's like, so like, what are we doing here? Like, how are you? You know, gonna put yeah. this out, and she's like, "Oh, I'll remember it." Oh, like, I'm like, I, I have your podcast and one right after. If I was not recording and I was typing this out, like, there's no way I would cover everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a load of shit. Unless, yeah, unless she's fucking like her superpower is like insane memory, which like yeah. you know some people do have that. Like, but there's no way that you remember all, even a half an hour conversation and you can transcribe it word by word that's a that's a bad one i haven't i haven't heard of one that bad um mm. i think like one of the worst ones i've had was like what's your favorite what's your favorite color of the alphabet and then at that point color of the alphabet yeah, yeah like i think it was supposed to be like some funny like quirky joke and at that point we were like yeah like not really yeah sure if you want to do or like <laughs> I, I know that i am really fucking up with if if and when I ever have someone walk out or like in, in this case, just like exit out of zoom on a podcast, like I've never had that happen. I know that if that ever happens, knock on wood, um, that I'm like, all right, Jordan, I think we have to take a, yeah. take a, take a five of the podcast for like a, a week or something. Sometimes like, I think when I watch stuff, like not particularly in like our world, like heavy music or anything, but like, Particularly like rap stuff, they often ask really, really, really tough questions or like they'll like find a piece of drama or whatever that's happened and be like, go straight for it and, and pick on it and, and stuff. And and it's not necessarily not necessarily like ethical, but it can make for entertaining content. Like right. what was it? You know, the Breakfast Club they have in New York. I don't know. Do you, you know that show? Yeah, yeah. Him, I know exactly. Called, uh, Charlemagne, he's, he's vicious. He's absolutely oh, vicious. Yeah. Yes, but, which I think I, builds up, like you said, it builds up fans to that. It creates yeah. good stuff. Um, and there's a reputation that's established. It's like, oh, if yeah. you're going on the Breakfast Club, Charlemagne's gonna like, you know, he's gonna ask you about yeah. this beef that you have with so and so. Yeah, exactly. And to be honest, I think I watched uh, I watched Ed, him at, in, interview Ed Sheeran, and it was brilliant. Um, and he does ask some tough questions, but I mean, it, they they are often the most interesting answers. Totally. Like, do you ever do? That? You ever do you ever do anything like that? So so it's tough, I think, uh, with hardcore because I think that there's a lot of um, scene politics, and yeah. I walk the line of like wanting just to have a really wholesome conversation. Yeah, but yeah. if if I'm having someone on that I that I already have like a personal relationship with, like <laughs> you know, and and you like Brendan from Counterparts as an example. I could ask that man anything and he's down to talk about whatever. He's been on the show yeah. two times at this point. We're yeah. and we're already he's talking really about the thir the third time he's going to come on. But I he's feel really like when I, you know, this is the first time that you and I are speaking and it's I know that the the flow is well, but I'm not going to just like hit you with like a super yeah. like Personal. unless we were going to a certain area then yeah. it's like okay maybe i can push here a little bit yeah. but i feel like just coming out of left field is not my personal vibe yeah. um and i think it just it's too risky with how 
like I feel like I I know the level of responsibility with having this platform that I do and I just don't want to do anything that is just for like more about like the numbers drama. or the drama yeah. versus like is this actually making for a good conversation yeah yeah a good conversation and you know you don't yeah like i said you're not trying to like get big numbers and you're not trying to be the fucking hardcore tmz and right. like talk about all drama and gossip and all that shit because let's be honest that is like the worst part of the scene by a good stretch in my opinion um and it does like i don't, I don't want to upset anyone here but it I'm quite removed from the US hardcore scene. Like I have friends, particularly in bands, but like I go on Twitter and I just, there's so much drama, bro. Like in the, it's insane. So much gossiping, so much beef. Like I don't want to see that shit like ever. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And like, I find I'm like, you know, you can do on Twitter, like not interested in it. Like, and I still, I'm seeing fucking call outs and yeah, beef nonstop and all of that shit. So yeah. It's, it's very hard because it's like for a long time, I really like, I was like, Twitter is not a place that I want scope to exist. Yeah. Purely because of that, because it was just, it felt toxic. It felt gross. I didn't feel like I, like, I just didn't want to be sucked into that cyclone. Um, I have done a little bit as far as just posting like different bigger podcasts that come on. And I do see like that does drive a lot of traffic. It does like, the the opportunity for like something to really go viral on Twitter versus like something like Instagram is like there is a stark difference. Yeah. Um, because like it's so easy to reshare things versus like I got to put on my story and it's it's a whole thing. Um, so it's like I can't ignore that it does have influence. And mm-hmm. I also think that like Twitter, it, it Twitter is not the problem. It's the people who use Twitter that are, yeah. that are the problem because every social media and I don't know if this is a hot take. Uh, but I've said this multiple times. Every social media is just like a silo. And like we as people fill those social networks. So it's like it's not, you know, there's a bit of blame that falls on Instagram or Facebook or t- TikTok yeah. or whatever as far as how they're setting up the, their technologies yeah. with d- distribution. Oh, yeah. But they would literally be nothing without the people that are signing up and, and mm-hmm. using it every day. Yeah. And like, let's be real, like drama is 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 interesting whether you like it or not whether like like i see drama and i'm like i've just told you i like try and hide it and stuff but like i'm interested for the first 20 seconds you can't help it i'm like oh i think i like kind of know that guy and like he's saying this shit about oh, this dude, other person. The- I, like kind of know and like oh negative what they call it negativity bias whereas you know as humans we're just immediately attracted to to, right. to bullshit so yeah and, that, and that's why it gets pushed on the, on those platforms but yeah yeah I, I think that's kind of like maybe an underlying goal of mine with this podcast is to try to have it be more positive and like yeah. something that people can take away from versus like, oh, did you tune into latest scoped exposure? Like there's some some tea that's spilled. Like yeah. that is not the goal of mine. Um, uh, and again, it, it's more I'm leaving it. My strategy now is just leaving it more on the guest with how they're kind of taking things. Like, yeah, I, I've had people in bands who have been in past projects that had a had another member canceled, and you know, when I was like starting up the show, it's like, should I ask them about that? And I'm like, yeah. you know, like I feel like that's intrusive for me to do. Also, yeah. get comments on those podcasts being like, I can't believe you didn't ask them about so and so. It's like, well, yeah. you spend one day in my shoes doing a podcast, and you'll get it. But like, you yeah. Know, 
just the way it is. Um, well, Wil Wilkie, uh, we're kind of getting towards the end. Um, I have one more question before we wrap up. Absolutely. So any way that we end the podcast is always with a favorite Mosh-related story that you would like to end on. That's anything that first comes to your mind. Could be you, could be something that happened to you, something at a malevolent show, something totally random. Um, whatever's first to your head is how we start to wrap up. Well, seen seen quite a lot of wild shit. Um, I once saw a guy get his dick sucked uh, in the pit. What? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like by his friend as well, um, which was like another dude. And like, the, whoa, 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 like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Good, back, like, back yeah. up. I, I need yeah. to know who's playing while, okay. while, so while this, this is, is <laughs> This is Eperfest in Belgium. Okay. In, two, in 2012. Uh, and it was in the daytime to Black Dahlia murder. Rest in peace, Trevor. Um, so. Like, it wasn't like a real blowjob. It was just like we're putting it in his mouth for like fun thing. And like, what, like, I'm fairly certain, like, they weren't, <laughs> do, like, I'm fairly certain they weren't gay. They were just like, they're like, just like drunk Belgians, just like getting wild. And like, one of them was, one of them was, um, like dressed in women's clothes. But like, like I said, I'm, I don't think he was a trans person. I think he was just like, you know, having a wild day out at a yeah, festival. Yeah. And a guy he's got his that dick friend out. that takes things too far. It's like, oh, yeah, well, no, no. Well, hold on. Dick. Guy, and he's like, one okay. Guy got, yeah. <laughs> one guy got his dick out, and the other guy just like got on his knees and put it in his mouth for a moment, and that was, it was flaccid. Um, but yeah, that was pretty wild, and like not even that many people saw. It. Like, I, I think now, like if that was to happen, it'd be like, oh my god, like it'd be on fucking Twitter, like yeah, guy got his dick sucked to Black Dahlia murder. But um, I don't think <laughs> is so crazy. I don't think anyone, many people even saw it happen. Like I was there with a couple of my friends, and we we definitely saw it, but it wasn't. I like, never heard. Was it anyone. like you looked over and you just saw it happen, or like was it yeah, very like, they were, like they were oh, there's a lot of they were like they were running around in the pit for the whole show. Um, yeah, and we were like, well, yeah, that's pretty wild, but. So that that's a funny one. Um, that is I'm funny. Probably, I'm, not sure if I should, I'm not really sure if I should have mentioned it. But uh, yeah, I so would I'm be very that. surprised if the guy who got his dick sucked at a Black Talia murder concert was listening to this podcast. But um, I w I would be very surprised as well, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> like I say, it wasn't like it wasn't. I maybe maybe dick sucked was like maybe like that's too much of a exaggeration. It just like went in his mouth for a, a, a brief moment. There, yeah, so there was that, a, a a singular sucking. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, that's the wildest thing. And like I say, that was just the first thing that popped into my head when you mentioned it. But mm -hmm. like, there's, I know there's, there's, there's that viral video photo of a guy pissing in his mouth at a tra trash talk show in Australia. I don't know if you remember that. I, that did resurface on my social media like in the last week, mm. which has made me think of that, which is weird as fuck. Yeah. Um, well, oh, man, there is some wild like. That so the first story reminded me of, you know, we brought up Varials a little bit earlier as far as their music video. How I found out about that band is there was, it was like at the record release show for like one of their first, uh, you know, records, uh, and someone was moshing like they're like a beatdown centric band as well, and someone was like crowd killing people like butt ass naked, and it like went oh, nice. all over yeah. the internet. And Hold I was on, like, I oh, this band's awesome. That. I've seen that video, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. And then uh, your second story with the person uh, pissing in someone's mouth reminded me. Oh, uh, oh it was his own mouth. 
It was literally, there's a photo of it. Of his stood, own mouth? Stood, yeah, yeah, he stood there, like, bent over, like, pissing his own mouth. It's oh, man. Very, very, very peculiar. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who's made it at this far in the episode, we saved all, like, the vile stories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right I, at the end. I don't normally indulge in the, in the vile stuff either, but, uh, yeah, yeah. That, it's it's that first was, your head, and that's the rule, so I appreciate yeah. you sticking to the, to the script there. <laughs> uh well wilkie all of your links the band links all that good stuff will be in the show notes in the description of the video but if there's any final words anyone you want to shout out or anything you want to send the people off before we wrap up the floor is yours uh please if you've listened to the podcast this far go and check out our new record malicious intent we work really really hard on it we're touring the usa with the acacia strain uh like this well we'll leave for the usa this month uh, and it's like the East Coast and the Midwest for like 20 shows. So, yeah, if you're listening, please go and please go and check out the tour and check out the record. Thank you very much for having me, Spencer. Absolutely, Wilkie. Um, definitely think that we could do that. We could do this for another hour if we really wanted to. Yeah, but, um, uh, shout out to Malevolence HQ. Um, yeah. Shout out to um, uh, just Malevolence Riff. Um, and dude, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. No problem at all. I've had a really nice time, actually. Thank you.